Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle. The Ellis fumbled the ball. Two on the shot clock, throws up a prayer. Yes! As he was falling to the ground, it's a three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Billikens. Four on two. McCall, Ellis, left corner. Bang! From way down under, Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best. Stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat to the hole. He's fouled. Layup. Good whistle foul. Count the best. Ellis for the reverse. Oh, through fingertips. What a move. Ellis drops in a bomb. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out, feeling good. Ellis. Cody Ellis. Ellis. Pull up jumper. Cody Ellis. Bang. Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver? Cody Ellis. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another weekend. Finally, Cody, we're only days away from the championship series in the NBL starting. It's been a long build-up and a long break, but in between we've had some FIBA World Cup qualification matches. The World Cup teams are all set now for the World Cup later this year. And it's fascinating boomers' performances, but also what the Tall Blacks did without any New Zealand Breakers players to, to conclude their qualification phase was impressive as well. And I want to get your thoughts on South Sudan and their contingent of NBL players as well, Cody. So we'll get through all of that on this week's show. We'll have a touch back on the the semi-final series where we ended up seeing both the Sydney Kings and the New Zealand Breakers overcome the Cairns Taipans and the Tasmania Jack Jumpers to set up the championship series that now gets underway on Friday night. We've got another new coach that's required across the league with Simon Mitchell standing down from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Um... So there's a lot for us to get through, Cody. We're here thanks to Hoop7. Thanks for joining me once again. And finally, we're only days away from that championship series. Yeah, it's about time. It's uh, It's been a long couple of weeks, really. Um, and look, for the two teams playing, I'm sure they've not really enjoyed this two mm. weeks. You know, it's, it's good to... Um, sit and enjoy that you know you've made a grand final series, but to sit two weeks and yeah. not be able to play is uh, is not great. And I expect the first game to to probably show that a bit and yeah. be a bit bit sloppy. And I hope it's not. Yeah. I hope they uh, prove me wrong. But uh, usually with a couple of weeks off, I think both these teams have proven that it's yeah. it's not great for them. The breakers are used to it. Yeah. Is the only positive. But the last time they did have a big break, they took a while to warm up again. So it's going to be fascinating, like you said, to see how they do come out. And it starts on Friday night at Kudos Bank Arena with Game 1. And then all of a sudden, it's only two days until Game game 2 in Auckland on, on Sunday. And then we've got another five days in between yeah. for, for Game 3. But that's all to, to come ahead. And we'll do a full preview as this show unfolds this week, Cody. We're here, of course, as always, thanks to Hoops Heaven. So if you need anything basketball-related, head to hoopsheaven.com.au. Or if you are in Perth and... You're willing to brave the heat right now, Cody. Head on to Murray Street and go into the into the store and you won't be disappointed. No, not at all. I uh, was in there the other day, grabbed myself a pair of shoes. and uh, A new pair for this season? Uh, probably or, not, more just to train in for, yeah, okay, for the yeah, time being. Yeah. And then uh, don't worry, with the, with a few of the new releases coming out, mm. don't worry, I'll be uh, in there very soon. Anything for Chase? Uh, there will be. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's starting to kick back into basketball soon, so um, I will be popping in there to, to get him a pair. All right, Cody, a lot to get through. We'll hear from the nightmare Matty Knight as well and get his thoughts on the championship series, and he's always opinionated about what's happening at the Perth Wildcats as well, so we'll get his thoughts on on that and also look, looking back on the, the semi-final series. So we'll hear from, from Matty a little bit later. But um, before we get to some of the, the news around the, the league and I guess with the, the World Cup qualifiers, Cody... 
Um, we'll go into it in more depth, but do you feel like we've got the best two teams now for the championship series with the, the Kings and the Breakers? Yeah, we do. We do. These are these have probably been two of the more consistent teams all year um, and prove that they've probably got a higher ceiling than, than every other team in the league. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy it's, it's come down to these two because I think this is going to be a heck of a series. No, it will be. And we'll, we'll break it down later on and we'll go through all the matchups and I'll hold you to a prediction as well, Cody. We'll, <laughs> yep. we'll get that percentage of how you've gone throughout the season at some point as well and, and see how you've gone. But you might be able to get a championship series prediction, correct? <laughs> um, now... A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Justin Schuller being appointed the, the new coach of the Brisbane Bullets, and now it's the South East Melbourne Phoenix who need a new coach, Cody. I'll go through some of the candidates a bit later, but what was your first reaction when you found out that um, Simon pretty much made the de- decision himself to not, I guess, seek a, a reappointment? Yeah, look, I think in that last press conference, I think you kind of saw how defeated and deflated he was. Yeah. Um, it's been a massive few years for them mm-hmm. because they just have not been able to stay healthy. You know, so and that's got to be frustrating. And look, I think he, he's done a decent job with them. He, he's done a really good job considering all the outs. And um, look, I think it's one of those things that it really just wears on you mentally. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think he probably had that decision made up mm-hmm. uh, during that press conference already. Um, so I think by that point, if you're not excited for the future and yeah. you, if you're not fully invested in it, I think it's. I think it, it's a pretty good sign that it probably is the right time. Oh, for sure. And look, you, you saw Mitch Creek come out and advocate for him and really wanted him back mm-hmm. because, um, you know, he's he seems very much like a player's coach. Yep. Um, and, you know, you, they've spoken to a lot of the guys in that squad and they've all really wanted him back. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I think, I think maybe something new and fresh is probably good for them. Yep. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who they appoint. I'll, I'll go through some of those options as well, and I still think there's a genuine chance that with the owners that they have, that they they pluck someone completely out of left field that yeah. we we don't know about as well. But I will go through some potential candidates with you later on. Um, some more movement of the Brisbane Bullets. So Justin Schiller has been appointed as of a, a couple of weeks ago. He's now brought with him from Melbourne United, Daryl McDonald. Yep. Um, Sam McKinnon is a fascinating story. He's now out of a job altogether, having chosen his GM job over. Being the coach for the rest of the season, he's now been relieved of his duties from from that job. Um, Peter Crawford and Perro Cameron also relieved of their duties. Um, DJ Mitchell is one player that they have re-signed, so they've now got three players on their books with yep. with Aaron Baines and Nathan Sobey as well. Um, are you as baffled by the things happening at the Bullets as I am? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to what mm. they're doing right now. Um, and they're probably really a club in need of of some direction yeah. and uh yeah it's 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 been very odd so far but mm. uh they've got a lot of work to do because yeah like you mentioned only three players signed yeah. and um look it's, it's going to be interesting it's going to be a massive uh massive next few months for them no it will be we'll keep an eye on that um with great interest so the reason we had a break in between the end of the semi-final series and before the championship series Cody was because of the fever window so the last games for the World Cup qualifiers so the World Cup will be played later this year starting late August I think and it's spread across Japan Indonesia and the Philippines but the boomers had already qualified it's fascinating that we had a, had to have a break for the before the grand final series but no players from the the Sydney Kings were, were playing for the boomers no breakers players played for the tall blacks but I guess it just is what it is and we have to accept that it was just the way it had to be but um, the boomers wins against Bahrain and Kazakhstan I'm not sure there's anything really to talk about except for what Todd Blanchfield did yeah. and what he did to remind everybody what he's still capable of 
Oh, absolutely. And he was uh, he was awesome. Mm. He was just aggressive and just out there playing free. Mm. Um, he was probably excited that he actually got to play some minutes. That was <laughs> yep. that was probably the big thing. Yep. But uh, no, look, it was uh, it was it was really good to see. And I think that uh, he did. He kind of reminded a few people around the country that. Uh, He's still a legitimate scorer and, and can play uh, at the top level. Yeah, 31 points he scored in that second game on Sunday against Kazakhstan. That was the best performance from a boomer since what Paddy Mills did in the bronze medal game. Yep. And it was more points than he scored in the last 17 games of the entire Jeez. NBL season, Cody. Um, what, what do you think it says about his future? I mean, what, what does he do? He's still contracted for two years at the Perth Wildcats. Does he try to ride it out and try to win the faith of John really, or does he, does he take a, what would be a bold, bold move and ask out of that contract and try to find a home where he'll actually play? It's a tough one, but, um, I mean, you've seen him come out and say that he wants to be part of the Cats. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it is. It's, it's a really tough one. And, look, going through all the preseason and the grind of that and then finally being able to play games and not playing is... is uh, He's not good for your mental mm, health, I'll mm. tell you that much. Um, especially for a player of his level. Yeah. And uh, look, he didn't have the best year when he was playing early on. Um, but he's still got that potential to, oh, to yeah. be a, a game changer. Yeah. And I think it's tough and it's going to depend on on what really does with the squad this year. Mm. Um, whether, you know, Toddy will fit into that. And, and it, it is a tough one. But, um, I mean, look... Uh, I think he does want to stay, and mm. why wouldn't you? Yep. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he decides to opt out and and try test the waters a bit because there's uh, there's a few opportunities around. I, I look across the league and I think there's some obvious systems where he would immediately fit. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers to me look to be one where I feel like Scott Roth in a structured environment would absolutely get the best out of Todd Blanchfield. I feel like going back to Illawarra. He would be a perfect fit there just to provide that cool, experienced mm-hmm. head and an outside shooter, especially now with Tim Conrad gone. That would be a good fit for him, I think. And I think there's a chance that even going to the Cairns Taipans where Adam Ford loves his team to shoot three-pointers, that might be a good fit for him. I see some some options there, but if you're the Wildcats, are you willing to let him out of his, his contract? Or do you only let him out of his contract if he doesn't play in the NBL? It's, it's going to be fascinating how both sides approach it. Yeah, it's a tough one. And look... I think if if they're going to be reluctant to let him out of the contract, I don't think that's you know really good for either party. Sure. If you're going to have a guy like that contracted and know that he's not going to play, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't think that's that's good for either. And I mean, look, there is a chance that he could he could play on that on that Cats team, mm. but I mean, you even look at like we mentioned Brisbane for example. Yep. I mean. They're going to start needing some some sure. firepower as well, and yeah. I'm sure they're willing to throw some money around. And I think Tassie is probably a, a, an interesting one, like mm. you mentioned. But you know, he's, he's following Clint around again, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Clint wouldn't exactly enjoy that too much. So um, no, there, there is options for him, and I think if they know that he's probably not going to play or at least play significant minutes, like I think he should. Yeah. I don't see why they would hold him back. Yeah, yeah. I don't see anything changing, especially if they upgrade Michael Harris to a full contract and if both Webster brothers are back yep. and if Bryce Cotton is back. Is I don't see why it changes from this season. No, I, I don't see it changing a whole lot either. Mm. Um, and look, realistically, the Cats probably need more um, more on the defensive end yep. than, than the offensive end. Yep. Um, and yeah, it, it's 
it's a tough one. It is a tough one, and I hope they do the right thing. All right, we'll, we'll all we can do is wait and see yeah. what what uh, what transpires there. But I actually wouldn't be surprised if someone like Japan might be end up being a mm. really good option for him. We've seen how well Angus Brand and Nick Kay and Reese Vague and a whole host of guys have done over there, and it might be a good option for him, and it might even freshen him up and re- rejuvenate him as yeah, well, as sure. well. But um, the New Zealand Tall Blacks as well, Cody. Mm. Um, they didn't have any of their breakers players, but they. They have qualified for the World Cup, and they're coached by Perro Cameron. And I, I putting down their potential World Cup squad with Stephen Adams, Yanni Wetzel, Sam Wardenberg, Finn Delaney, Tom Abercrombie, Corey and Ty Webster, Isaac Foto, Shay Lee if he's healthy, Flynn Cameron, and then you might be able to fill out the squad with someone like a Ruben Tarangi or Isaiah Liafa. Things in New Zealand basketball are pretty strong right now. If you have yeah. a look at that potential Tall Black squad, adding that the Breakers are in a championship series right now. That's, that's pretty exciting. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, they've got a good crop of young guys coming through as well. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really good to see. And I think, you know, on the world stage, they can certainly be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're one of those teams that always plays hard and probably mm-hmm. plays harder than, than any yeah. other country. Yeah. And it's kind of what they hold their hat to. And, yeah, that, that's a really exciting-looking squad on paper. South Sudan is another one, Cody. They, mm. they had a fascinating week in the end so the the african qualifiers every country still had three more games to play to end close the qualification phase and it was all played in egypt and i I feel for them so south sudan had a lot of supporters travel with them to go to egypt and they weren't allowed into the building to support their team but um i guess that's that's the politics of the region and there's a lot lot that goes into that but what i do like about south sudan is we've got a lot of players now in the nbl that have come from that region, it largely as refugees, but for whatever reason, they have made their new home in, in Australia. But I love the fact that a lot of these guys are so excited to represent their nation and how, how excited and passionate they are to now help them into the World Cup. Yeah. They're going to be a really exciting team to watch later this year at the World Cup. And, I mean, you have a look at someone like a Sunday Detch, who's, who's a leader on that team, Bull Kowal, fresh off playing for the Cairns Taipans, and Majuk Deng, both of those guys were quickly mm. to jump on the plane and go and, and go and go and play. They could still add someone like a Joe Luala Chul back into that team for the World Cup, and pretty much every team in the league right now just about has yeah. at least one player from South South Sudan. You've got a former teammate, um, Majuk Majuk, as yep. well, um, Cody. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting. It is. It really is. And, look, seeing those scenes with, with their crowd not allowed mm. into the game was, mm. was, uh, was not fun to see, and... Look, like you said, it gets very political over there and we'll try steer well clear (laughs) of all that. Mm. Um, But no, look, again, exciting times ahead for for South Sudan and very cool to to book their place into the first World Cup ever, I think. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. And that's awesome. That's really good. And and they're going to cause some problems, I I guarantee it. How exciting is it that players like this have found a home in the NBL or NBL 1 as well right across the country, but they go back to play for their country. I mean... You know some of these guys, mm-hmm. guys very well. You played with them at the at the Senators. Um, how much do you feel like it means to them? Oh, it means a lot. You know, mm-hmm. getting to represent your country is is amazing, and mm-hmm. to be able to do it to an up and coming, you know, what looks like an up and coming bit of a powerhouse. Yeah, um, I think they're the youngest nation officially in the world yeah, still. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. And yeah. to be able to be you know one of the first representatives of your country mm. and especially on the world stage like that, I think's massive. Mm. So I'm sure they're all full of pride and and ready to go and uh, show people what they're made of. All right, Cody, we'll take a break and then we'll go back and have a look at the semi-final series. But if you had to put your neck on the line at the World Cup later this year, where do the Boomers finish? Ooh, it's a tough one. 
It's going to depend on who plays. <laughs> yes. it's, it's so hard to see. Do they win a medal? Yeah, I think so. I, I do. I do think so. I think they uh, medal. But uh, like I said, it's it's going to be interesting to see what their roster is. Mm. And um, yeah, look. I mean, either way, whatever team we put on the floor is usually fairly competitive. So I hope so. Where did the Tall Blacks finish? Um, it's a tough one. I think. Um, look, it's. Uh, 20 years ago, they finished fourth at a World Cup. Can yeah. they go anywhere close to that? Look, I, I think they could go close. I think they could go close. Um, but, again, I think it, it just comes down to the fact that some of these other countries are just so deep mm. um, and really put pretty much their full squads into yeah. these. Um, so Amazing that Argentina didn't even qualify. I know, that is wild. Yeah. And that's just proof of, of how good the World Cup is. Yeah. If a team like Argentina doesn't qualify... Mm. Um, you know, a, a real top nation in the world, mm. in the basketball world. And so it's going to be competitive. I, I think they do really well. Um, I think it'll be tough for them to push for that top four, but mm. uh, I think they can go close. I think a top 10 finish is yeah. a good result for them. Yeah. Um, what about South Sudan? It's really really hard to know, but yeah. But again, they, they could push for top 10. I think so. I think they can, uh, I think they're going to shock some people because mm. I think some, some countries are going to come out thinking they'll breeze past them yep. and they're certainly not going to. Mm. Um, so I, I do think that they'll shock some people and, yeah, top ten would be amazing for them. All right, Cody, let's take a deep breath and when we come back we'll have a look back on how we got to the championship series with the Kings beating the Taipans and the Breakers beating the Jack Jumpers. Sounds good. Okay, I'm back here with Cody Ellis on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Cody, it almost feels like a lifetime ago that our, our last NBL action took place and we saw the end of the, the playoff series between the Kings and the Taipans and then the Breakers and the, the Jack Jumpers. Both series ended up going to three games. Um, no team ended up winning on the opponent's home floor. Um, let's start with the Kings and the Taipans because this was a fascinating series. What we saw in Game 2 was the Kings lose their cool a little bit it looked like they might have lost Xavier Cooks for the rest of the, of the series as well. With an, an ankle injury, Chase Buford ends up getting ejected late in the game. Tim Suarez attacks Sam Wardenberg with his shoulder and somehow ends up being able to play game three as well. But, gee, I mean, I think the biggest talking point out of this series was the difference in the way the series was officiated from game two to game three because it was a totally different game in that game three because the, the Kings had been called, I think, for probably four or five flop flop calls in the first two games of the series. Then all of a sudden they were still, I think it's fair to say they were still flopping, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden they were allowed to, they were rewarded for it. Yeah. Um, and and the foul calls going against the Taipans just completely changed that game, especially in the first half. And I think the Taipans were officiated out of the, out of the game in a lot of ways and Full credit to the Kings, they deserve to win, but gee, the difference from game two to game three, and I think what Chase Buford got out of that ejection was a bit of a masterstroke. Oh, for sure. And look, I think, I have no doubt that that was kind of playing on his mind as well to mm. to rant and rave. And, mm. and um, look, he, he wanted to get kicked out. You know, he, he wanted <laughs> yeah. to get kicked yeah. out. You, you saw that. I think he kind of... I think he was actually walking to the locker room before, before he even, actually even got, got ejected. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was one of those things that, he kind of knew that things weren't really going their way, so it was, you know, um, kind of sacrificed that game to mm. to kind of sway them a bit for game three. And, I mean, look, the Kings were aggressive in game three. They were really aggressive, and I think that uh, 
yeah, it, it was frustrating to see the the uh, the whistle pl- played such a big yeah. role um, in the series and and especially the deciding game. You know, you saw two completely different series reft. Yep. I think you know this Kings Cairns one was very whistle heavy, and mm-hmm. the Jack Jumpers in New Zealand one was a lot more physical yep. and a lot more playoff like. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see what the grand final series is like. As a positive for the Sydney Kings, I, I think their biggest threat going to Game 3 was if DJ Hogue caught fire for the Taipans yep. and, and played match winner. But I don't know if we've seen a better defensive performance than what we saw from Justin Simon yeah, on DJ, DJ Hogue in that game. Um, obviously, Simon didn't win the NBL's Defensive Player of the, of the Year award, but on this show, the votes from Damien Martin, he was a clear winner, and I think he absolutely showed why in that Game 3. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's a reason I picked him for preseason yep. Yep. as well. Yep. So, look... He was, he was just awesome. He did exactly what he was needed to do. Just sat in DJ's pocket mm. and didn't leave him alone. Um, he had trouble breathing, let alone trying to get to the rack mm. or shooting an open three. Um, but that's what he was there for. You know, that's what he's there yeah. for, and that's uh, he, he just played his role perfectly. So, silly question, Cody, but if you're the Sydney Kings, if one play, if one player from the Taipans had to take 17 shots for that game. Would you rather it be DJ Hogue or Tajir McCall? Yeah, Tajir McCall every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think uh, especially not uh, a Tajir McCall that's not 100%. With a sore well. shoulder. So, yeah. yeah, look, I think they kind of baited him to, to mm. shoot and, you know, he, he bit on it. And, and he goes three of 17. Yeah, and yeah. that hurts. You know, that yeah. does hurt. So um, I think that, you know, Cairns, Cairns put up a, a fairly good fight. You know, oh, absolutely. I, I really think that towards the end of that game, they just ran out of steam. Well, they, they lost Shannon Scott. So, I mean, he, he's been potentially the best floor general mm. in the competition yep. this season. He's been outst- outstanding as their, as their point guard. But just as they got McCall back for the last two games, they lost him mm-hmm. um, on top of being without Keanu Pinder. Um, and with 40 really going with a seven-man rotation yeah. for, for most of that series... Um, Gee, they put up a great fight given everything that they were coming up against. Well, they did. And they, you know, put up a heck of a fight against the best team in the league. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is tough and injuries, you know, I've, I've said it before, injuries play such a big part in, in basketball and, you know, it really does come down to luck sometimes. Yeah. And uh, look, obviously we knew Keanu wasn't going to play, but uh, to lose Shannon Scott after that first game yeah. uh, really – Really hurt them, I think. And, uh, you know, they came out and played really well in game two. But, mm. you know, like you said, that seven-man rotation, you just saw they just ran out of legs. I feel for Keanu Pinder as well. He was he was pestering Adam Ford for those last two games of the series to play. Yep. Medical advice suggested that he wasn't quite quite ready. So I think they made the right decision. But, I yeah, I feel for him for not getting to play. Mm-hmm. Um, for any media speaking to Keanu in press conferences in the future, please have a look at a photo of who he is oh first gosh, and, and don't call him to Jim McCall. That's Goodness probably not me. the best way to win any friends, but I feel for him because he was really excited to come in for the grand final series. Mm-hmm. He would have been right to play. This two-week break would have been the best thing ever for him because yeah. he would have been fully healthy now by by this, this weekend. Um, interesting question. Having that burning in the back of his mind, knowing that he desperately wants to help this Taipans team achieve something, but knowing that he has to probably sign the most important contract of his yeah. of his life coming up now in this off season, what do you think he does? It's it, it really is a tough one, and look, it's one of those things that while he obviously wanted to play those two games, you mm. know, it's it's not the best thing to do for, no, him, no. for his future because no. 
you know, one one hard knock and that yeah. sets him back a yeah. long time, yeah. I think. Um, but look, he's got he's got some big decisions to make. Mm. You know, he's his uh, game has just elevated two straight years now. Um, obviously, with his back to back most valuable player yeah. in in one most of the improved. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, in especially in one of the better leagues in the world, yeah. I think that he's got lots of eyes on him now and. I think teams are going to start throwing a lot of money at him from, yep. from all over the place. Um, I think including Europe. I think oh, he gets absolutely. a lot of big offers from Europe and potentially Japan. Yeah, well, exactly. And there's, uh, there's plenty of money around. Mm. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, and look, if he does decide to go elsewhere um, to you know, play in a different country, then you know, Cairns have got some big decisions to make and, yeah. and how they fill that void. It's an interesting one because I... It's hard to say this for sure, but I feel like the best place for his basketball mm-hmm. would be staying in Cairns, yep. but he's going to be able to make more money elsewhere. Yeah. And this could be a, a life-changing contract that he signs. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you weigh those two things up? It is difficult. And I think, you know, as, as a young player, I, I reckon that he's, he's done very well to, to go and play for Forty, And I think mm-hmm. Forty's done an unbelievable job with him to just pump him full of confidence and mm-hmm. let him play his game. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think that's the key. He needs these tyres pumped up, whereas mm-hmm. I think Connor Henry was trying to do the right thing, but mm-hmm. he rode him too hard yeah. and he didn't get the best out of him. And look, in Europe, mm-hmm. you're not going to get your tyres your <laughs> pumped up <laughs> no. by any stretch of the imagination. No. You get, you get uh, yeah, absolutely destroyed over there from coaches. And it is a tough one. It is a tough one. I think that he's at the point now where, you know, he, his confidence should be at an all-time mm-hmm. high regardless mm-hmm. of, if you know the coach is on you or not, sure. so I think if there was a time to go and earn some money, I think now would be it. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is going to be interesting to see. The other series between the New Zealand Breakers and the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. When we spoke two weeks ago, Cody, we didn't see much hope for the Jack Jumpers mm. to even force it to a game three, but no. they were outstanding in game two at home to to really control that game and to turn it back into a Jack Jumpers style of style of game. So they were outstanding to force it back to a game three, but. I think the longer we saw Game Three unfold, the the depth of the Breakers really really came through, and the quality of of their play, their defense was too hard to score against. And then Barry Brown Jr. thirty two points in a deciding Game Three was the difference in the end. Mm-hmm. The Jack Jumpers didn't quite have an offense an offensive weapon like him, and and he he caught fire. So it was a fascinating series in the end, which we didn't quite see happening after Game One. Yeah, and look, shame on us for not thinking the Jack Jumpers would bounce back because, you know, they've proven time and time again that, you know, they're the best team in the league at bouncing back after a loss. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, they came out and, and proved, geez, not only us, but probably a lot of people <laughs> around the country very, very wrong. Um, yeah, look, they put up a, a, a valiant effort and game three, again, just taken over by Brown and... He was unbelievable, mm. um, even with his hands strapped heavily still. Well, and he's doing it with his shooting hand, yeah. injured. Yeah, I know, I know. So, look, I think he's going to be a game changer in this next series as well. I think it's it's going to really come down to how he is able to yeah. to score against the Kings. And um, yeah, look, New Zealand's depth was was just you know stifling. Really, yeah. they they sub and they don't lose anything. Yeah. So, um, which is you know been why they've been tough all year and and clearly the second best team in the league. I think the the two things that stood out by the time we got to the game threes were that the advantage of finishing top two was enormous Huge. because the Kings and the Breakers were so much more fresh than yep. what the Jack Jumpers and the Taipans were by that point um, because they'd both had to come through the playing tournament. But also we've talked, probably especially in the first half of the season, how 
there wasn't much of a home court advantage throughout the league, but yeah. game three of a deciding series, that is when you different do have story. a home court advantage. Yeah. Oh, you, you do. And it's a completely different story, especially in New Zealand. Yep. Um, you know, the, the fans over there are unbelievable and mm. uh, it's fun to play in front of even as an opposing mm. fan. So, look, that place looked like it was absolutely rocking and I, I think that uh, these are probably, well, for this season anyway, uh, two of the better crowds going at it so it's going to be fun to see all right cody so that's how we got to the grand final we'll preview it later later on in the show but for now let's take a take a deep breath and find out what money knight's got to say about what's happening right now perfect Okay, I'm joined by the Nightmare Matty Knight here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, the three-time NBL champion, the best power forward of his generation. It's been a little while since we caught up, Matty, where we're finally getting closer to the championship series starting. How are you holding up? Yeah, doing well, mate. Um, it's been uh, crazy how big a break it's been. Um, kind of forgot that the NBL is still happening. <laughs> You had the opposite problem during some of your championship series, especially against the Breakers. I remember there was one series where all three games of the grand final series was played within five days, and when you're travelling between Perth and Auckland, it's not that not that, not that that easy. Um, how would have you handled a two-week break from your semifinals to grand final? Would have it been, been pretty frustrating? It definitely would have been, because you're on the high of making the grand final, and you, you just want to go out there and play. Yeah. But then you go two weeks more to train and all that. Yeah, you just you want to play, and I guess that was the best uh, a positive about the series against New Zealand was you just got to um, play. It was yeah. play, travel, play, travel. Like whoever was the fittest team at the end won, and yeah, obviously, it'd be tough as a player having to know you got to wait another two weeks before you actually go to play. Who would have been the worst coach for you to have during a two week break? Who would have pushed you the hardest? Would it have been Bevo? Would it have been Trevor Gleeson, or or maybe you're coaching Hungary even? Uh, probably <laughs> hungry, but now both uh, Trev and Bevo are really good. But at the end of the year, we're probably on court for an hour max. Um, there wasn't a whole lot more you could really do. Obviously, probably the first week there would have been a couple of longer sessions just to get your touch and all that. But um, by end of the season, you're um, yeah, we're on court an hour max. You've done all the hard work in the preseason for this time of year, but. I'm glad we never had to wait two weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Before I get your your thoughts on what's going to happen in that grand final series, Maddie, looking back on the two semi final series, um, both went to three games, and I think you have to give an enormous amount of credit to both the Jack Jumpers and the Taipans for the fight they put up. But I think ultimately we've pro- we're probably left with the, the best two teams, with the Kings and the Breakers. Um, what did you make of both of those series? Yeah. No. I... Full respect to Cairns and Tazzy. Um, both had to play extra games yeah. in the plane. I think Tazzy had to play you know, a lot of them out to Cairns and over to New Zealand, back home. That's a lot of travelling. And Cairns, they had to do it with all the injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously losing Scott in game one. Massive McCall was, wasn't healthy. It's a lot to ask of DJ Ho. Obviously, no Pinder. Um, the fight they put up, they have full respect to them. Um, they could have easily made excuses, but that's not the way Forty went about it. He uh, he had them playing good basketball, and uh, if things were a little different, maybe they could have um, 
one a bit further, but uh, yeah, things were out of their control. It probably didn't help them in the end. You were pretty clear on Adam Ford being coach of the year. I think after that series and after what he did to get them that far, to be within one game of getting to a grand final with all the injuries that they had, without their best player and then without Shannon Scott, who was there for general as well. I mean, I think I think Fordy's standing as a coach only went up during this, this final series. Oh, definitely. No, you could tell um, that the Cairns players absolutely love playing Fordy. Yeah. He, he's a great guy. Um, he, he eats and breathes, sleeps basketball. Um, that was one thing about him when over here at Perth. He was always there if he needed extra sessions or whatnot. He was always there and he put the players first. And Kansas really accepted him up there and um, they love him up there and that's every reason too what he does for that, that organisation. From where they were last year to now, um, full credit has to go 40. We haven't heard um, we haven't heard uh, an announcement about him re-signing just yet, but I don't think there's any chance in the world that he doesn't remain as coach of the Taipans, does he? He's on Cairns. I'm locking him up now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he, uh, he loves it up there. Obviously, it's going to be tough trying to keep all those players with the bigger clubs out there, but, yeah, I'm on Cairns. I'm locking him up before another team comes knocking on the door. Oh, for sure. Uh, he's what, what he can do. Had a couple of weeks now to reflect on the Perth Wildcats season, Matty. Um, it, it was quite the roller coaster ride, um, and then in their two play-in games, it ended up being another roller coaster ride because they they found a way to escape with that forty-one point fourth quarter against Southeast Melbourne. But then they, I guess, they reverted back to a lot of the woes from during the season in that game against Cairns to end their season. Um, after a couple of weeks to reflect, what do you make of their season, and what do you think of their their outlook now moving forward? Yeah, no, um, obviously, they're probably starting to make a play in tournament, but, um, you know, obviously, a win over South East Melbourne. The other, you can't really call it a successful season. Mm. Um, Jack used to say if it was uh, not a championship, it wasn't a successful <laughs> He would tell you that at the season launch every season, wouldn't he? Yeah, so, um, but no, I think uh, Ross have they probably expect to do more, and I think the fans did as well. Um, I know there was a lot of uh, anger towards Scott Morrison last year and not making the finals. Well, they had a playing tournament last year, he's in the finals. So I think they had a better record last year, didn't they? Yeah, hey, they were unlucky with Vic Wall going down towards the end of the season. Yeah. If he is healthy, then, yeah, I think they made the playoffs. But I think there needs to be a major adjustment at the Wildcats in terms of the way they play. You can't give up your high-scoring team but then not even worry about defence. And you look at the roster they had, not many, too, too many guys in that roster didn't care about defense. Mm. No, absolutely. What are your thoughts on Todd Blanchfield? I mean, he he had the least productive season of his career just because he couldn't get on the court. I mean, and then all of a sudden he comes out for the Boomers and 51 points he scored in, in the two games over this FIBA window in the two wins for the Boomers. Clearly he's got a lot of a lot of good basketball still left in the tank. Um, I know he's still contracted for two more seasons at the Wildcats, but... If you were him, what would you what would you do looking ahead to to your future? Yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, um, he went from starter to uh, barely playing, and gone for the last twenty seconds of the last game, which is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But um, he he showed if he's in the right system, he can produce, and he's a confident player. And obviously, going from start, he probably not had the start he wanted to be benched, not playing. That's for a guy that relies on confidence, that's not going to help him at all. So he proved down to Trev when Trev had the flex system and all that, 
in the right system, he flourishes. And I was the assistant here in Perth last couple of years, really. He probably hadn't helped him. So he shows still got a lot to offer. So um, I'm, told, I'm trying to find a system that suits me and actually wants me. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I still think even though he's giving up guaranteed money, I still think the best thing for him will be to try to get out of his contract, go somewhere that he's happy and, and will play. Um, I assume if he asks that of the Wildcats, that I, I imagine they would, they would grant it because it frees up some money and a roster spot for them as well. So I think it's a, a win-win for, for, for both parties. And you know, if I did knock it on the, on the cans and Tassie door, yep. um, obviously both coaches there uh, are player coaches and Scott Ross showed what he can do with those type of players, confident players. But some of those guys, Matt Kenyon wasn't even in the league before he came in. We were struggling to find a spot. Yep. So if I'm Toddy, I'm knocking on the door just asking, uh, is there any spots available? Well, Cairns as well. I mean, Forty wants you to yeah. shoot three point three three point shots, and that's what that's what Blanchfield is he's known for. Exactly. So yeah, I'd be knocking on those doors, uh, just inquiring if they need anything, or um, yeah. Mm. All right, the championship series, Maddie, finally gets underway in Sydney this Friday night. Um, Sydney Kings versus the New Zealand Breakers. What are you expecting? Yeah, no, I'm expecting a close uh, series. Two top teams probably deserving to be in the grand final series. Um, Sydney had a tough one against Cairns, and uh, they're going to really need DJ Zilovic firing if they can have um, any real chance going back-to-back. Um going to be great matchup. Um, oh, he at least has to match what Barry Brown does, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah, and, and Barry Brown, he's been fantastic mm. for the Breakers coming his final series. And then you got Brantley and Harden inside. Yeah. Will McDowell-White's been fantastic all year. So I think, um, I reckon New Zealand, if they can get game one, uh, it'll put pressure on. And I think New Zealand can walk away with this in a, a five-game series. I want to get your thoughts on the Battle of the Big Men. Clearly, you're well well placed to give some insight into this as one of the, the best big men in the NBL has ever seen. It's a fascinating matchup. I mean, what Jarrell Brantley and Derek Pardon have done for the Breakers is 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 incredible, but they're up against Tim Suarez and Xavier Cooks. Um, who do you think gets the better of that, that matchup? Uh, I think um, Brantley's a great matchup for Cooks. Yeah. Um, He's got the athleticism speed to, to match with Cooks, which um, you can find the right matchup for him and slow him down. That would really help you. But obviously, he's a fantastic player. But I think um, Harden is going to be the X factor. And I think Suarez will struggle to guard him yep. a lot of big this year. And if Harden can uh, get that around that double double every game, I think that'll be a big factor of why New Zealand will win. Yeah, absolutely. So if I had to pin you down. Would you be going for the breakers in five games? Is that where, you, where you're leaning? That's where I'm leaning, yep. All right, mate. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, Matty. Last one before I let you go. Your player of the year, thanks to Hoop7 here on on the show this season, went to Milton Doyle from the Jack Jumpers. Um, now, we're yet to hear of any re-signings from the Jack Jumpers, but how desperate would you be for the Jack Jumpers to, to re-sign him and lock, lock him away for, for probably multiple seasons? I could imagine the, uh, the front office and uh, Scott Ross are on the phone to his agent right mm. now trying to lock him away. Obviously won the MVP down in Tassie as well. So I reckon they'll be doing everything they can to, to lock him away. He was fantastic for them. And uh, say Tassie really love him down there. So I think mean, if you can keep him in the jet, yeah. um, they'll go a long way to being back as a contender. 
contender again next year. But um, you know, hopefully he does stay down there. It'd be great for for the state and for the Jack Gumpers to have uh, play of his standard uh, coming back. No, sure will be. All right, Matty, it's been good fun picking your brain and catching up once again. And we'll, we'll try and catch up during the, the championship series and see how your predictions are unfolding and we'll see how it all goes. Sounds good, Pikey. Okay, I'm back now with Cody here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. Thank you to Matty Knight for joining us once again and giving his insights. Um, he's predicted the New Zealand Breakers in five games, Cody, mm-hmm. so that gives you something to work off as yeah. we get to your predictions later on. But before we preview the championship series between the Kings and the Breakers, um, let's go back to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix coaching situation. It's going to be fascinating how they end up going in what direction they head because this is the first time they've ever needed a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Simon Mitchell has been their only head coach up until now in their first four seasons. Um, I've broken it down into, into some different categories. Give me your thoughts on on the, these potential options and and then once we go through them all, Cody, you can tell me what way you think they might head. Yep. I think that absolute top of the tree for them is Brian Gorgian and Trevor Gleeson. I think yeah. for different reasons they've got they would have connections to the region. They the, the two most successful coaches in NBL history, so that speaks for itself. I think Trevor Trevor's already ru- ruled out yep. being a legitimate option, but that that doesn't mean they can't still throw the absolute yep. absolute truck at him and see if they can yeah. still entice him. Gorge has indicated he's not too keen to coach in the NBL again, but again he's got such a history with the Magic going back to yeah. Southeast Melbourne days. And I think if there's ever a club that could entice him back to the, the NBL, it could be them. Um, I think they're the absolute top of the tree targets. Yeah. Are either either of them a le- legitimate chance, do you think? Oh, look, I think, you know, we saw Gleeson knock back a three-year deal. Yeah. I think um, I think once Gorge left the Hawks, I think he was done with yeah. the NBL yeah. as well. Um, so, look, I think while those two are probably – would be your main targets. I don't see either of them back this year. Mm. So looking across the league, if they wanted to go for somebody within the, the league already as an assistant coach or in some sort of role, similar to what the Bullets did with Justin Schuller, um, I throw Sam McKinnon in there just because he gave an indication that he was really enjoying coaching, mm. but also he's a Southeast Melbourne yeah. basketball legend as well. So He's probably a very outside chance, but I put his name in the mix. But then you've also got Greg Vanderjad, who I think did a terrific job in the back end of the season of the Bullets. Kevin Lish, you've talked about on this show before how he's a head coach in waiting. Yep. So I think he has to be in consideration. Melbourne United staff seem to always come into into these discussions. So Reese Carter is there with a chance. Jacob Chance is another guy who I think was right in the in the mix at the Brisbane Bullets. Um, so I think he's always going to keep putting his hand up for the, for these jobs. Another Southeast Melbourne championship winner going back to the 90s, Mike Kelly. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he might be interested in being a head coach again. And I think Perro Cameron is a head coach in waiting as well. Um, do any of those names jump out? Oh, look, I think all of them have a legit case. Um, McKinnon, we've, we've seen, stuck his hand up for that Brisbane job mm. um, when they were struggling and, and coached him for a couple uh, games. Um, and look, Vanderjack obviously... Just didn't want didn't want any part of that Brisbane. Yeah. Um, after what happened with them last year, um, so I think those two are legitimate. Kev, I think, should be certainly one of their first calls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
one of the one of the smartest basketball players and yep. and just general basketball IQ mm. um, going around. But I think if he takes a head coaching role, I think he needs to kind of be able to put his foot down a bit more, yep. Um, yep. just kind of stamp his authority. Does he have that in his nature? Do you think you can turn that switch? I think you can. Mm-hmm. I think you can. We, we've. You see it on the court. And oh, he was the most competitive player yeah. on the court that you will find. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I, I think he, he would be able to flick that switch. Mm. Um, Reese Carter, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I think he's certainly in the mix. Jacob Chance, he's been around for a long time now. Um, been under some really good head coaches. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think he's he's certainly a legitimate chance. Mike Kelly, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's proven his worth in the league and um, – you know, his last stint with Cairns was obviously probably not as successful as, as they would have liked. But it was interesting, uh, wasn't it? Two two very poor seasons, but one season where he was coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. So and look, he knows his stuff as well. Mm. He's he's a really smart coach and and knows knows basketball so well. And Perry Cameron's probably one of the um, dark horses for me. Mm. I think mm. uh, I think he's he's one of those guys that popped his head up with that Brisbane yep. Brisbane job and and he's ready to to kind of take over a, yeah. a, a head coach's role and. Um, Look, I think all those guys should be under consideration for sure and, and I'd be surprised if they haven't reached out to, mm. to most of them already. Some potential big names who are former coaches in the league, Cody, do you think any of these could be a potential? Do you think Aaron Fern would consider coming coming back to Australia? Sean Dennis, he seems so settled with his, with his family life in Japan, yeah. but again, he's another former coach of the year. Andre Lamanis, again, he looks like he's enjoying life in Japan, but... Mm-hmm. He's got a connection with Southeast Melbourne as well. Paul Hanari, I think, probably feels like he's got unfinished business in the mm. in the NBL as well. Any of those, do you think, might might be a chance? It's a tough one. You see guys play or coach, go to Japan, and they just don't come back. They don't seem to. No. They don't come <laughs> no. back. They're just the leagues over there and just the general living over yep. there is just, um, from all accounts, unbelievable. So, look, I, I don't really think you probably draw those guys mm-hmm. um, too much. But I think... Paul Hanara is a, a, an interesting one because you're right. I think he's got some unfinished business and I mm. think he would think that and come yeah. in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And look, I think he probably deserves a chance for sure. Three more men. Um, Judd Flavel, up until this past season, he was Simon Mitchell's right-hand man at the Phoenix. Yeah. Adam Caporn, he's turned down jobs previously, as I think including the Adelaide job when um, Connor Henry departed in that situation. But I know he's settled in the United States, but maybe a head coaching job is something that could entice him back. And Anthony Petrie is another one who's 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 interesting to me. He was in the mix for the Bullets job. Um, mm-hmm. Any of those three jump out? Oh, look, all three of them, I think, again, just legitimate chances. And um, I think Judd has probably <laughs> done all he can to try and get a head coaching mm-hmm. job. You know, he's he's been one of the long-lasting assistants of the whole league. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, I think he would certainly fit. Um, Capes, yeah, that's a tough one. That's that's a tough one, but you're right, head coaching job would be enticing. Mm. Um, but Peach, I think, is is a really interesting one because, uh, look, again, one of the most competitive guys that mm-hmm. are going around mm. and, um, you know, proving over the past couple of years that he can coach. Yep. And, and, again, he, he knows his stuff mm. and he knows the league um, – he knows a lot of the guys around the league and mm. how they play and, and what it takes to, to win. So C- certainly would have the respect of Mitch Creek. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, I think he would be a really good option for them. That's the list I put together, Cody. Do you think there's a, a real chance that they end up appointing somebody that's not even on my list? One one person that sticks out to me is probably Robbie McKinley. Yeah, Who's sure. at the yeah. Institute right now. Um, 
you know, he, he was one of my assistants at the Kings mm. and um, look, he knows his stuff and he, he's one of those one of those guys that has been around for a long time mm. and, um, you know, just keeps making strides. So yep. I think he's probably one other guy that you haven't listed that I think would be a, another viable option. But I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with all those guys. Is there also a chance because of their their NBA connections with their ownership that mm-hmm. they go for an American coach and, yeah. and go for somebody totally left field. Oh, very possibly. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they've, <laughs> they're one of the teams with probably more connections than anyone else. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they have someone completely out of left field and, you know, bring an NBA assistant over or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. It's risky though, isn't it? Yep. We saw it hasn't always worked. No. Dean Demopoulos comes to mind at <laughs> Melbourne United as one that, didn't even bother to learn the rules of a of an NBL game before he no. started coaching. No, he did not. He did <laughs> not. And I look. I think with uh, with the ownership group that the Phoenix have, I think that uh, they'd be a bit smarter than that, yeah. and they'd uh, certainly do their homework <laughs> and, and make sure that whoever was coming out would uh, would be a legitimate fit. Watching Mike Kelly have to explain to him the rules of an NBL game during a game yeah. and taking up the whole timeouts to do that was. It was quite the experience. It Cody. sure was. It wasn't ideal, was it? <laughs> no. Um, all right, Cody. So we'll see how, which direction the Phoenix end up going. Big decisions for Tommy Greer and the Phoenix owners to make. But we've got a championship series to look forward to. The Sydney Kings and the New Zealand Breakers. Game one, Friday night at Kudos Bank Arena, Cody. Um, let's hope we get a good crowd because yeah. not only has the break not been ideal, but now we're competing with the start of the NRL season this yeah. week as well. So let's hope the, the people of Sydney still turn out. Oh, look, I think they will. I think mm. they will. You know, they kind of had that bit of an anomaly in that deciding game and mm. had basically half a crowd there mm. from, from their standards for this year. But, uh, look, I think that – I think being a championship series, I, I think that takes precedent for sure. Yep. So game two will then be in Auckland at Spark Arena on the Sunday and then the following Friday back in Sydney for game three – Game four back in Auckland the following Sunday. And then if needed, the following Wednesday will be game five. Mm-hmm. You happy with that structure? Yeah, I think that's probably about as good as you can get. You know, these midweek games aren't really ideal, honestly. Mm. So, look, I think if it goes to five games, which I do think it will, mm. having a decider on a Wednesday isn't great. Yeah, But you don't want to stretch it out for too long because mm. it's already been a long time. So. No, absolutely. And it might be a, a positive that it won't clash with an NRL or AFL mm-hmm. game on that yep. weekend. So that um, that could be one positive for a Wednesday night. But but you're right, if it was on a Friday or Saturday night, it's probably preferred. Um, yep. it's, a, it's a fascinating series, Cody. And I, I legitimately find it a toss of the coin to try and work yep. out who's winning. If you go through player for player, the matchups are fascinating. If you go back through their three meetings through the season. They were all physical battles. They were fascinating battles. We had Chase Buford come out and talk about how we felt like they were playing against the mm-hmm. the All Blacks and, you know, Modi Mayor got a little bit defensive, but more recently he's taken that as a as a badge of honour and yeah. he'd be proud if, if they were playing like the, the All Blacks because yeah. both it means they're being physical, which suits them, but also it means they've got under the skin yeah. of the Sydney Kings as well. Um, before I go through some of the matchups, what stands out to you when you think about these two teams playing one another? Oh, just just the matchups everywhere. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that you've got probably the most physically dominant um, defensive team in the league in, mm-hmm. in New Zealand against a team that shoots a lot of free throws usually. Yes, in, in the Sydney Kings. Yep. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it's officiated. Mm. You know, and I don't like talking about it. You know, especially a championship series like it. We shouldn't be talking about refs or anything like that. But it is going to come down to that. Yeah. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to see how physical New Zealand's allowed to be and, you know, vice versa, how, how physical Sydney's allowed to be yeah. on the defensive end as well. Um, but, man, yeah, the, the matchups all over the place are lots of fun when, uh, when you've got it on paper. Well, you talk about the physicality. Perhaps one of the biggest things, and it's, it's probably not ideal for this to be a big factor, but whether or not Derek Pardon is allowed to set screens or not, yep. and if he is allowed to get a, away with the screens he sets, mm. is going to be a big factor in how this series plays out. Very much so. And look, we, we've seen he, he kind of toes that line between mm. an illegal screen and, and an illegal screen. Well, but, to be uh, honest, I'm not sure if he does too much different on either, any of them. No. But it just depends on how they're officiating, officiating no, them you, on you, the day. Yeah, you, you're definitely right. And look, I, I really hope that they let him play. I, I really do because, you know, we, we saw that New Zealand and, and Tassie series and it was a lot of fun to watch because yep. they let him actually play. So, yeah, um, again, it's it's frustrating that that has to be such a talking point. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's go through the matchups, matchup by matchup. So you got the two centres, Tim Suarez and Derek Pardon, the power forward matchup. This this is <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Xavier yeah. Cooks and Jarrell Brantley. Um the three-man matchup. I'm fascinated to see who these guys go to end up guarding and and what assignments they're given. So Justin Simon and Tom Abercrombie, mm-hmm. um, DJ Vasilovic and Rayan Repair, but probably most of that matchup will be DJ and Barry Brown. Yep. Um, then the point guards, Derek Walden Jr. and Will McDowell White, probably the two best pure playmakers in in the league. Yep. Um, and then you look at how deep the benches go. So the Kings, you've got you got Jordan Hunter, quite noy. Jalen Galloway, Angus Glover, Sean Bruce. The Breakers have got Rob Lowe, Tom Vodanovic, Cam Glidden, and then, you know, either Barry Brown or Rayan Repair and, and Isaiah Liafa. I mean, gee, 10v10, that's incredible. That's awesome. That's great. And I think, you know, it, it sets it up for an unbelievable series, mm. really, because, you know, both teams, probably the deepest in the league. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they both sub and don't lose anything. Yeah. If, not, if anything else, they just gain. You know, they, they gain a bit of bit of firepower or a, a bit of defensive energy. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fascinating series, and uh, I, I can't wait for it to start. Gerald Brantley has done really well in the matchup so far mm-hmm. this season against Xavier Cooks. Yep. How do you see that matchup playing out? Uh, again, it comes down to how physical <laughs> he's allowed to be. Because yeah. you know, we, we've seen the way you you kind of I'm not going to say stop because you don't stop Zave, mm. but the way you slow him down a bit is to be physical with yep. him. Um, you know, he he relies on his agility and, you know, his finishes and getting downhill. If you can stop him and, and be a bit more physical with mm. him, Brantley's stronger. Yep. Brantley's a lot stronger, a um, lot bigger body. And, look, I think that's going to be such a fun matchup to watch over the whole series. They um, do have a similar athleticism too, don't they? They do. Yeah, they do. Um, Zay's probably that little bit longer and... Yeah. and um, Looks that little bit springier, but, you know, Jarrell Brantley certainly can hold his own. Big defensive jobs for Simon and Abercrombie. Yeah. Um, who do you think they go to? Look, I think, honestly, I think they both go to the point guards. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you did see Simon on, on Will McDowell-White and then Abercrombie on Walton, just yep. that bit of length on both of them. Mm. Um, and we've seen how both those guys really just set up their teams mm. and, you know, the team success really does det- like is determined off how well they're running the show. Sure. So it wouldn't surprise me if those two went to the point guards. Yeah, I agree. I think Abercrombie absolutely goes to Derek Walden yep. because that extra bit of size and making his life difficult to set up for his teammates will be crucial. Um, Justin Simon, I think, might might split his time. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to put a lot of time into Barry Brown Jr. Yep. So I think he might spend some time there. But again, if he can disrupt what McDowell White can do as the playmaker, mm-hmm. it, it helps 
it helps keep Barry Brown quiet at the same time. For sure, exactly. So, and, and it, it's one of those things that Barry Brown's probably going to get his. Um, but you know, how does he get it? Sure. You know, does he does he get it with Will McDowell White coming off those on balls and mm. probably hitting Rob and Pardon on those little um, dump offs early and then finding Barry Brown late, or is it going to be kick it to Barry Brown and just let him go to work? Mm. You know, because that's going to wear him down over yeah. the series. So, you're right. I think Simon's got a big task ahead of him, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's got lots to uh, lots to think about. What what is the level of trash talk going to be like between? Oh my goodness! D- especially DJ Vasilovic and Barry Brown. Oh, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. I just I think everyone in general. Yeah, you know, sure. both teams very chirpy, mm. and uh, you know, both coaches very animated. Oh, yes. I think uh, just across the board, it's going to be, uh, yeah, lots going on. <laughs> what do you make of the coaching matchup? How do you think? How do you think that plays out? Yeah, I think it's it's set up to be one of the one of the better coaching matchups mm. we've seen, and it's going to be interesting to see how close they can get to each other while, <laughs> while still yelling at their teams. I think um, it'll be a race to to see who gets the first tech. I think. Yeah, but uh, I think who's your money on the chase for sure? I think <laughs> just with his uh, um, with. Especially the last series where he got tossed, I think they're going to be all over that. Yep. But uh, look, Modi, Modi flies under the radar. Mm. I think he uh, he's up and animated, and I think he probably hides a little better because he does it while yelling at his players. Yes, yes. Um, but look, I think it's it's going to be a really fun matchup as well. Yeah, there's so much to look forward to, Cody. Can't wait for Friday night for Game One to to see how that plays out. Game Two on Sunday in Auckland, and then. We can come back next week and talk about it and and see what adjustments will need to be made for Game mm-hmm. 3, Game 4 and possibly even Game 5. So a lot to get through from this week's show, Cody. Thank you for breaking it all down with me once again and I'll let you wrap it up by not only saying what you're looking forward to but leave us with a prediction for this championship series. For, look, I'm, I'm just looking forward to this whole series. I think it's going to be an unbelievable, unbelievable basketball um, shown and, geez, over the series. Look, I, I think... I think New Zealand get them. I think New Zealand get them in five. Um, but it's going to, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be lots, lots of fun. So uh, I can't wait for it to start.